Hello, my name is Olivia Batten, and I'm one of the apprentices here at Old North Church. And I invite you today to open up your Bibles to Colossians 3, where we will be reading verses 1 through 17. And if you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the pew for you, and you can find Colossians 3 on page 984 of the Pew Bible. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly to you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, where you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, which it's with, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one another has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Well, I'll offer another good morning to you. Thank you for coming out here this Thanksgiving weekend. And despite what happened yesterday, we are still thankful. Um, Psalm 146 says, trust not ye in princes. And I th think that extends to football teams as well. Um, I do hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. There is something about Thanksgiving, isn't there? This last week, I traded emails with people in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. And all of them unsolicitedly mentioned our Thanksgiving holiday. The holiday none of them celebrate, but all of them very much admire. Kirsten is on our staff at Matthias Media, and she lives in Oxford, England. And she wrote to me just yesterday morning in a response to an email I sent her. She says, I'm more than happy to be wished happy Thanksgiving. I had a lot of American friends when I was at university at St. Andrews, and one of my fondest student memories is to getting to embrace Thanksgiving each year. 
But since graduating, I have not done very well on finding American friends in Sydney or Oxford, which is a great source of regret generally, but especially at this time of year. Every one of the Aussies, Kiwis, and Brits that I know say the same thing. What a great thing it is, you Americans do by stopping and being especially thankful once a year. There's a saying about America that they often say. They say, America sneezes and the rest of the world gets a cold. Well, I'm sorry to report that the countries that I mentioned have not yet adopted the Thanksgiving holiday, but they've got a nasty cold because they have adopted our Black Friday tradition. I don't get it. Anyway, there is something about Thanksgiving, isn't there? What is it about pausing to intentionally say thanks that's so attractive to people around the world? Well, that same question, what is it about Thanksgiving, is what made me pause here in Colossians chapter 3. And may I just tell you, if you close your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them back up. We will be looking at the whole book of Colossians this morning. It'll be a great help for you to have the Word of God open. I love Colossians chapter 3. I know it fairly well, but it's been just recently that I noticed something I've never seen before. Did you notice there in the last three verses that before, as Paul crescendos to his great final point in verse 17, he tells us three times to be thankful in verse 15, 16, and 17. What is it about Thanksgiving? Why is Paul so adamant about exhorting us to give thanks? Well, before we look at this passage in just a little bit of detail, I want to make sure we're clear on our terms here this morning. I take it that thanksgiving is very similar to being grateful or gratitude. But in how we use the terms, there's more of an external focus of thanksgiving. Hence the word giving of thanks. It's an outward expression of eternal, internal gratitude. But it's not just that. Thanksgiving, what we're thankful, what we give thanks for, also signifies to all the people that we do give thanks in front of what's really important to you. It's, a depth, it's an insight into the depths of your beliefs and your values. So I've heard that many people have a tradition on Thanksgiving Day that they go around the dinner table and before they eat, everyone says one thing they're thankful for. Well, I think that's actually a pretty good tradition to help us think about our passage this morning. If Paul, the author of Colossians, was at your Thanksgiving table, what would he say? Well, I think the very first thing he would say very clearly is that he would say, I give thanks because I belong to Christ. I give thanks because I belong to Christ. Now, in our passage this morning, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, there's not a clear, direct link between words of thanksgiving and the idea that you belong to Christ, but it's all over Colossians in such a way that you can't miss it by the time you get to chapter 3. Turn back with me, if you would, to chapter 1, and let me just show you a few places. In chapter 1, verses 12, 13, and 14, Paul is asking the Colossians to bear fruit in accordance with their salvation. And he says there in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul tells the Colossians that they're to thank God because they have been brought into the kingdom of the Son and qualify them to share in a great inheritance. 
But he doesn't stop there. Go to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. You see there at the end of 7, Paul tells him to be always abounding in thanksgiving. And he says that because what he says there in verses 13 and 14 in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And you who were once dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God has canceled our debt that we owe him, a debt we could never pay back, all of it. So when we get to chapter 3, Paul reminds the Colossians of the meaning, substance, and benefits of belonging to Christ. The meaning, substance, and benefits of belonging to Christ. It's all over here in Colossians chapter 3. Look there in verse 1. If you've been raised with Christ, if you're in Christ and you belong to him, you've been raised to a new life, and spiritually you're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Verse 3, your old life of sin and shame, of no hope, is dead. You've died with Christ, and now you have a new life that's hidden in him. Verse 4, Christ is now your life, and when he appears to be glorified, you will appear with him in glory. Drop down to verse 11 there. At the very end, it makes this grand statement, just in short, Christ is in you. The perfect, holy, blameless God dwells within you by his spirit. And then in verse 12, we get bestowed upon names that never we never deserve. We are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. All of these are given to us as a gift, and we deserve not one of them. We receive them by faith, and by believing God, we believe that all what he says about us is true. See, these things are too wonderful to ponder an entire lifetime, yet alone a few minutes in a sermon. So let me just say a few things that we don't miss, that Paul doesn't want us to miss. The first thing is this, that all these attributes listed in Colossians also describe you, if you're in Christ. Forgiven, reconciled, redeemed, qualified for a great inheritance, raised, glorified, chosen, holy, beloved. These have all been given to you as a gift from God. And remember, it's God against whom you sin. When you sin, you're saying, God, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to be God. I don't care what you say. That's what you say to God when you sin. And yet God still bestows upon you these grand statements that describe you now. Think about that. In other words, not one of us deserves any of this. When you were converted, or even now, maybe as a Christian for a long time, because you belong to Christ, you now have the remedy for your worst problem, your relationship with God. You have the greatest relationship now with the Lord of the universe, and you have secured the best possible future one could ask for. Our gratefulness for all of these things will overflow into thanksgiving only as we realize the magnitude of what's been stated here about you. I remember a Christmas 
at my grandmother's house. I was, think I was about 10 years old and I was excited to open my gift. And I opened up the gift for my grandmother and it was a coin. An 1898 Morgan silver dollar. And I still remember to this day that my face showcased my disappointment. <laughs> See, I grew up in the heyday of toys. He-Man, Matchbox, G.I. Joe figures. Those are the things I wanted, not a boring old coin. Now, of course, as I've grown older and now still having the little coin, I've grown to realize just how valuable that is compared to those action, action figures that I really wanted. And I've grown more and more thankful for the gift and for the giver. This is what I hope maturing Christians do with the gift of belonging to Christ. As we grow more and more, we see just how valuable it is to be given a new life that belongs to Christ. And on the flip side of that, I hope that we see all that the world offers, the adult versions of G.I. Joe and He-Man, I hope we see those grow less and less interesting in comparison. See, how do we know that we are growing in gratitude for all what Christ has done for us? Consider what you're thankful for. Consider what you may have said at your uh, dining room table tradition. What have you said in front of your friends that you're thankful for? See, this is why I love talking to recent converts. They just gush about God. They can't help but to give him thanks because they know what they were, they know what God has done for them, and they know what they are now in Christ. And this is why Paul spends so much of his space here in this short letter of Colossians reminding them of the gratefulness it is to belong to Christ so that they will just gush with thanksgiving to God. But Paul doesn't stop there. He, before he passes on to the next person, he wants to say more things. He says, I'm grateful because I belong to Christ, but I'm also grateful because I'm becoming like Christ. I'm grateful be that I'm becoming like Christ. And now that's the necessary consequence of belonging to Christ, that you are being conformed to his image. And both aspects are the main thrust of this passage here in chapter three. It's all about putting off your old way of life to which you've died and you're putting on a new way of life for which you've been saved. This old way of life is marked by the sins of the flesh, as it lists there in verses 5 and 8 and 9. The way of life that looks out only for yourself, for the here and now. It cares nothing about the other. It cares nothing about the future consequences of this selfish, rebellious way of life and the judgment to come because of those choices. Instead, we're to live a new life in Christ, marked by putting off those sins and putting on in their place the character of Christ. And you see that there in verses 12, 13, and 14. See, the longer you live, the more you look like Christ. Not in your appearance, of course. We don't know what Jesus looked like. But in your character, your compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and love. See, the new life in Christ is dedicated to living for who is best, Jesus, and dedicated to living for what is best, his ways, his purpose. And if that's the case, if Christ is now your life, then you will be very thankful for all the ways and opportunities that come your way to be more like him. Now, this isn't instant, nor is it easy or smooth. 
And friends, this is real, the big surprise in the text this morning, where Thanksgiving demonstrates its true character. I almost called this point Thanksgiving in hard places, because verses 15 and 16 are not the usual breeding ground for giving thanks. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Paul tells them that they need to live at peace with one another and be unified as the body of Christ, as the church. But before moving on to verse 16, do you notice he almost goes out of his way and stops and says, and be thankful? Because he knows. (laughs) He knows that being in a church family isn't naturally easy and rarely something we are thankful for. Paul is telling them, and thus us, to be thankful to God for the people God put around you because they are here to make you more like Jesus. Look at how this works out. Look at verses 12 and 13. God calls on you to be patient with one another, those around you, because he knows you are surrounded by a bunch of imperfect people. And when you struggle with them, and you will, you get to act like Christ. You get to forgive as God has forgiven you. You get to be patient with them as God is so very patient with you. And they get to do it back to you, another imperfect person. So he goes there in verse 14 and says, when you love others as God has loved you, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. And so therefore, verse 15, Paul says, be at peace with all and be thankful for all. And this is especially true that we need to be especially thankful for the people we don't normally consider in our midst, the people you don't normally get along with, the people you would rarely choose to fellowship with other than through church. See, by wrestling with differences, shortcomings, even hurt and sin from others, God is forming in you the character of Christ, kindness, meekness, humility, patience. Christ is being formed in you as you deal with other people. See, I know that a lot of people are thankful for Old North Church, and I'm really glad to hear that. It's so often spoken of in terms of the great music we sing or the great programs we put on or the substantive teaching and preaching. And so many times I hear people say, Old North is full of a bunch of nice people. I'm grateful and thankful for these things. But my question to us this morning from this text is, are we thankful for this church when things are hard? When something goes against you, against what you think, when people around you in your group or your class or your associations, when they try you, do you stop and give thanks to God in those moments? See, I don't think if everyone always did what you wanted and everyone treated you in the way you think you deserve, or if you only huddled up and associated with people who think like you, I don't think you'd be growing more to be like Jesus if that were so. Friends, I know this is hard, but it's the truth. It's the truth of Scripture, but it's also truth, true from our experience that hard people refine our character. Now, at this point, I know I've just run the risk of blowing up all our social graces around here. Because the next time someone comes up to you, maybe this morning, and says, you know, I'm really grateful for you, you might wonder what they mean by that. 
I'm thankful for God, to God, for this body of Christ, because I'm thankful that this body helps me to become more like Jesus. But that's not the only point of thanksgiving in hard places that Paul wants us to point, points us to. Look at verse 16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. See, the connection right there in the verse, it seems to say that we sing some wonderful songs of praise. And we do so, we give thanks to God when we, when we sing those great songs. And that's true. But that's not the only connection Paul wants to, us to see. He tells them, let the word of God dwell among you richly to teach and admonish one another with that word. He's basically saying something very similar to the last point, that we need each other to tell one another to be more like Christ. We need to be taught and admonished because we are so stubbornly sinful. The word admonish means to warn or to reprimand someone firmly or to advise someone or urge someone earnestly. I don't know about you, but I'm not terribly fond of being reprimanded. And I often resist it when someone was eagerly and earnestly urging me in a way that I otherwise wasn't thinking about. But in context of this chapter, the whole chapter, I'm to be deeply thankful. I'm not enough like Christ. I should want to be like Christ, and therefore I'm glad for the help. Do you give thanks when a brother or sister lifts up the word of God to your shortcomings and sins? I mean, I get there needs to be a certain tone in how that happens, and I think that's what Paul means when he says, do so in all wisdom, in verse 16. But even when that is done gently, clearly, helpfully, when we're pushed in a particular vice or in a particular direction we don't want to go, giving thanks is usually the last thing we think about. Remember, thanksgiving is giving someone a peek into your heart and their, your mind. And according to this same chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3, your heart and your mind ought to be set on things above where Christ is. If my heart and mind is to be set on things above, then I ought to give thanks for every opportunity to be more like Jesus. I give thanks because I belong to Christ, Paul says. I give thanks because I'm becoming more like Christ. And he also has one more thing he says before passing it on. Verse 17, he gives thanks because he gets to represent Christ. This is the last dose of thanksgiving that he issues here in context for his great capstone verse here. Back in chapter one, Paul says that Christ is the Lord of all. He is where everything came from, where everything's going, and the reason that you exist. Everything. Everything about reality is because of Jesus. And once someone puts their faith in that message, once someone believes that Jesus is who he says he is, that everything changes about life. Every single thing. See, Paul spent this entire chapter thus far, verses 1 through 16, talking about how this happens, how we go putting off our old life, and now we put on a new life in Christ. And we do so, so that, verse 17, a new life in Christ has a life that forms around every word, every deed, we do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. See, there's a simple but confronting test you can put to yourself. Do I live out verse 17? 
Ask yourself this, for every conversation you're about to have, could I preface it with, I say this in the name of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, I say this. Or before you're about to do anything, could you say, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus? See, when someone wears a a jersey of his or her favorite team, it colors everything about that person, doesn't it? Whether they're ahead of you in the grocery store and you don't know them, or they're talking directly to you, all that they do and say is seen through the lens of that jersey. No matter how nice a person might be in talking with me, if he's wearing a Michigan jersey, I can't blind myself to that. But similarly, but much, much differently, and much better, I should say, that being a follower of Jesus colors everything we do. Everything of how we drive our cars, to the jokes we tell, to the movies we watch, to what we cultivate in our mind and thinking, and how we use our money. All is done in the name of Jesus Christ. Think about that. The king of the world, the great and powerful Jesus Christ, I have the privilege of representing him in all my life to all those around me. Think about that. The savior of the world, the merciful, sacrificial, endlessly generous Jesus. I get to go in his name in all that I do. This is why Paul uses Thanksgiving language here in verse 17. Who is worthy for that? Who deserves that privilege? I don't. And that's why I'm thankful. And so Paul's turning the question around as he's saying these statements of why he's thankful. He's basically asking us, are you thankful for getting to represent Christ in all that you do and say? How would it show up in your life? I remember the very first Christian conference I went to representing Matthias Media. I had made a very pedestrian-looking uh, golf shirt with the, the logo and name on it. I was given a badge with the name Matthias Media and my name underneath it. And of all the people there representing huge international ministries, I had the most modest setup, a little table, a little hand-painted sign that says Matthias Media and me. But it didn't bother me. I sure was proud. The ministry that changed my life so much and how I understand the gospel, how I understand the Bible, what I think I should be doing with my life, I have the opportunity now to go in its name. I had no problem telling anyone who was willing to listen to the impact the teaching and resources made on my life. I was unashamed of saying why I was there and who I was there for. And I look forward to every opportunity I could to talk about Matthias Media for the benefit of their name. See, my internal gratefulness led to my public thankfulness that took the form of doing everything in word and deed unashamedly for the name of Matthias Media. Now, how much more importantly is it with Christ? Do you get the immense privilege it is to do all things in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe? Is your gratitude for belonging to Christ leading to thanksgiving for becoming like Christ so that you do everything in the name of Christ? So your practice of thanksgiving forms who you are to the very core. And the substance of your thanksgiving demonstrate what you love and value the most. 
There's something about Thanksgiving, isn't there? There's much more there than when we, maybe when we first think about it. There is a power in Thanksgiving that both confirms and confronts us. And if that's the case, we can't close our time, but to just think for a few minutes about ways that we can cultivate the giving of thanks in our lives. And I think one of the things we should do to start out that is to say, how do I change my mind about Thanksgiving? The first step is a mind shift, right? From thinking of Thanksgiving is coming from that warm feel I have in the moment because things are going reasonably well. But that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's push is that giving thanks is a deep down character trait that you form by digging deep into your affections and planting the gospel firmly there. In other words, Thanksgiving is a Christian habit to put on, one worth training yourself for because Thanksgiving showcases what you think are truly important. This is why Paul can ask his readers, his listeners, to be thankful even especially when times are hard, when suffering is a daily experience. How can you possibly be thankful when that's the case? Well, we've already talked about it. You can be thankful because you belong to Christ. Your biggest problem in life, your relationship with God, has already been taken care of. And nothing you are experiencing now changes that. Praise God. Further, you know with a mind shift change, you know that the the sufferings and struggles you're going through now may actually advance you becoming more like Jesus, the one you adore. So change your mind about what Thanksgiving is. Also, know what's at stake. There's a lot at stake because, as I've said before, giving thanks represents your heart posture towards God and his rule in your life. So if you are a serially unthankful or ungrateful person, that could be a significant warning about your relationship with God. What's at stake with not being a person of thanksgiving is your entire relationship with the Lord. But also what's at stake is your representation of Christ to the world in front of you. See, if you rarely think about giving thanks to God for these important things like Paul does, if you rarely think about giving thanks in front of especially your non-Christian friends, what do they think Christianity is all about? They think that your values that drive you to gratefulness and thanksgiving are the same as theirs. Your current circumstances, that you're happy and comfortable and things are going your way. And they start to think that Christianity is actually rather Christless. And at worst, if you spend your words and your time complaining and grumbling, it showcases a lack of care for the most important things that you already have in your possession, beloved and chosen by God, no matter what life throws at me. So that's why we need to train ourselves in thanksgiving. There's nothing new here, but it's the same means of grace applied to every Christian for the last 2,000 years. How do you train yourself in thanksgiving and giving of thanks out loud? Preach the gospel to yourself. This is what Paul has done to the Colossians, and this is what he calls upon us to do. Get up every morning and preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of who you were, who you now are, 
and the reason for that change. This is why we've spent so much time on two ways to live. Of course, we want to share the gospel with the world, but let's start by sharing the gospel with yourself and actually making it mean something. The other way to preach the gospel to yourself, another angle on it is what we did this morning when we sang. Effectively, singing really good songs is a way to preach the gospel to all those around you. We sing variations of preaching the gospel to ourselves. Pick one that especially means a lot to you and sing it. Maybe start singing it in the shower, but don't keep it there. Sing it to others. Say the words out loud because this is a great way to grow in thanksgiving. Secondly, I would say, draw close to God regularly in prayer because it's rare that a person who fills his or her life with prayer is not filled with thanksgiving. And the flip is true. It's rare when a person doesn't spend any time communing with the God of grace that his or her words are not filled with grumbling and complaining. See, what I'm saying is, is that you can say thanks to grow in thanksgiving. Practice, train yourself to say thank you out loud for belonging to Christ, for becoming like Christ, for representing Christ. And the more you do that, it's this internal loop, right? You actually start to believe what you say. I know there's a risk here of kind of fake it till you make it, but I do think it's true that Paul calls upon them and us to be thankful externally because it trains your heart to be full of gratitude internally. Make Thanksgiving a regular part of your Christian habits, and then you will be able to gush because Jesus is Lord. What you are now in Christ remedies your worst problem, seals you in the greatest relationship one can have, clarifies to you the greatest purpose to live for, and secures in you the best future one could ask for. With all this, how could we not be given to a life of thanksgiving? Let's pray. Father, we do thank and praise you for being our Father. We thank you for rescuing us from the domain of darkness. We thank you that you not only forgive us, but you cleanse us. We thank you that we have so much to look forward to, no matter what's happening to us now. We thank you for being a God who keeps his word. Lord, please keep doing your good work in our lives and please discipline us so that we may be people of praise and thanksgiving to any and all in our midst. You are so worth it. Amen.